This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, October 29th. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Daniel Davis. The leader of ISIS is dead. The man who directed so many brutal killings, tortures, and atrocities took his own life in a tunnel after being hunted down by U.S. forces. So what does that mean for the fight against ISIS, both in Syria and abroad? Today, we'll discuss that with Jim Phillips, a Middle East expert at the Heritage Foundation. Plus, Kanye West's full embrace of the Christian faith is doing pop culture a new one. We'll discuss his latest album and film. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on iTunes and encourage others to subscribe. Now, on to our top news. President Trump spoke Monday at the annual gathering of police chiefs in Chicago, where he criticized that city's high crime rate and status as a sanctuary city. He called Chicago embarrassing to us as a nation and said Afghanistan is a safe place by comparison. The city's police chief was absent from that gathering, and the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, refused to take a meeting with the president. While he was there, Trump signed an executive order creating a commission to study the root causes of crime. The Post ran a headline Sunday calling him an austere religious scholar. They later changed the phrase to an extremist leader. Pompeo criticized the Post in an interview with Fox and Friends. I I think it's appalling and sick the fact that they've frankly not apologized for taking this man who was the head of the terrorist organization that beheaded people, that that did the kind of things that we were just talking about with respect to Kayla Mueller, uh, who led a caliphate that threatened... uh, large pieces of the Middle East and indeed uh, presented risks to the United States of America. The fact that a uh, national newspaper would describe this person as an austere scholar in their headline Hmm. in the immediate aftermath of the achievements of President Trump and the administration is truly appalling. ISIS was quick to select a new leader over the weekend. The terror group picked Abdullah Kardash, a former officer of Saddam Hussein. Newsweek cited a regional intelligence official who said Kardashian was already in the thick of day-to-day operations with ISIS. His nickname is The Destroyer. California Democrat Katie Hill is resigning from Congress amid allegations that she had unethical sexual relationships with her campaign and office staff. On Monday, she tweeted, It is with a broken heart today that I announce my resignation from Congress. This is the hardest thing I have ever had to do, but I believe it is the best thing for my constituents, my community, and our country. Hill has been under a House ethics investigation in light of the allegations. She admitted to having an affair with a female campaign staffer, but has thus far denied having a sexual relationship with Graham Kelly, her legislative director. Well, on the Republican side, another House member is retiring. Congressman Greg Walden of Oregon announced he would not run for re-election in 2020. He said the time has come to pursue new challenges and opportunities. Walden was first elected in 1999 and is now the ranking member on the Energy and Commerce Committee. He's the 17th House Republican to announce retirement this year. The European Union is kicking the Brexit can down the road until the 31st of January in the hopes that a UK election will keep the United Kingdom from leaving the European Union and negating Prime Minister Boris Johnson's date of leaving the EU this week. The deal, which was reached on Monday by 27 ambassadors from countries within the EU, adds three months to Britain's membership in the European Union and allows the UK to leave earlier if it and the EU both ratify the withdrawal deal that Mr. Johnson agreed to with the leaders of the bloc's member states earlier this month, 
according to the Wall Street Journal. Well, millennials continue to be lured by socialism, and a concerning number are friendly to communism. That's according to a new poll conducted by YouGov and the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation. That poll found 7 out of 10 millennials are somewhat or extremely likely to vote for a socialist candidate. By comparison, only 4 out of 10 Gen Xers and 3 out of 10 baby boomers said they'd vote for a socialist. In addition, 1 out of 3 millennials said they were favorable to communism. And when it comes to securing freedom and equality, only 57% of millennials said they think the Declaration of Independence does a better job than the Communist Manifesto. Up next, we'll speak to Jim Phillips about the recent killing of ISIS's leader. Tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger government? Become a part of the Heritage Foundation. We're fighting the rising tide of homegrown socialism while developing conservative solutions that make families more free and more prosperous. Find out more at heritage.org. We're joined now by Jim Phillips, Senior Research Fellow for Middle Eastern Affairs at the Heritage Foundation. Jim, thanks for your time today. Sure, thank you. So the head of ISIS is now deceased, uh, President Trump announced over the weekend. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead, Was uh, actually killed himself as he was about to be captured by U.S. forces in Syria. Uh, Jim, how big a deal is this in the fight against ISIS? Well, this is a, a major victory for the Trump administration's war against ISIS, and it's a, a huge defeat for ISIS. It's not likely to be decisive in the sense of spelling the end of the organization, but I think it is the beginning of the end. Uh, although uh, Baghdadi may be replaced as uh, the top leader, it's unlikely that any successor will have the same degree of effectiveness that he had. Uh, and that successor is going to be much more concerned with his own personal security than in launching attacks on the West. So uh, this was a, a very good day for the U.S. And it sounded like a, a pretty uh, elaborate intelligence operation, kind of reminiscent of the bin Laden, bin Laden raid in Pakistan. Yeah, I think uh, there were similarities in the sense that it was piecing together multiple pieces of a jigsaw puzzle over time, uh, and it's unclear, at least to me, exactly which of the pieces was the final uh, piece that sealed his fate. Uh, but it does appear that at least some of the leads came from uh, Iraqis that were uh, interviewed by Iraqi intelligence and the information was passed on to the U.S., uh, which acted on it in Syria. Something really quickly that I thought that was particularly sad, uh, when President Trump was talking about what happened on Sunday, he had mentioned that 11 children were rescued from the compound, but that Baghdadi brought three of his own kids and ended up deadening his vest, killing himself and his three kids. Mm. And I haven't seen a lot talked about this in the media, so is this something, it seems to be that terrorists tend to do use children as human shields, and should we be talking about this more? Yeah, I think uh, it's something that's, very common among al-Qaeda and, and ISIS leaders that know they could be uh, targeted by airstrikes. They also know that the U.S. Uh, uh, tends to put off airstrikes if there's excessive numbers of children there, uh, although at least some of these were their own children. Uh, you know, that is one of the tactics uh, that they use to avoid uh, being targeted once they're found. 
Well, Baghdadi really had positioned himself as this kind of God-ordained leader of ISIS, right? I mean, uh, saying he was descended from Muhammad and so forth. Um, and it seemed his followers uh, believed that. I mean, they were following him. Do you think that they will be demoralized by his death or do you think they'll just kind of move on and the snake will grow another head and they'll just keep going on? Well, I think ISIS has shown itself to be a hydra-headed organization in the past in the sense if you cut off one head, another will emerge. But uh, it's going to be difficult to uh, replace a head that is as important as Baghdadi's because he was one of the co-founders of, of ISIS and was in from the beginning in uh, a lot of the uh, the uh, very extensive webs that uh, ISIS weaved, uh, weaved led to him. Uh, it's going to be difficult for any one leader to get in the center of that web again. Psychologically, this is a huge blow, and to the extent that some of his followers may have subscribed to some of his religious propaganda about being favored by God, then this latest news that he lost God's favor in a very big way uh, is bound to be extremely demoralizing. Is that how they would interpret it? I mean, I know there are uh, some uh, terrorists would say that, you know, they they go straight into heaven if they die as a martyr. Would they interpret this as the loss of God's favor on him? Well, there I think there are many different uh, motivations that bring uh, people to an organization like ISIS, uh, uh, much of them a desire for power, for money, for taking part in uh, sex slavery. and uh, uh, But there was a small, I would say, proportion of people that were attracted out of religious zealotry. Uh, and those are the ones, uh, I think, that will see uh, his humiliating demise as a sign that he did not have... Uh, uh, the, the favor of Allah, as he claimed. President Trump, um, during his speech on Sunday, said he wanted Baghdadi's death to be an example to other people thinking about joining ISIS. And Trump said that Baghdadi died whimpering, crying, and screaming. Do you think that will discourage fighters from joining ISIS? I doubt there's too much that the president could say that would actively discourage him. And, and in fact, he should be careful what he says because it may uh, rebound and uh, trigger them to, to sign up. But uh, I think what he was, was aiming for uh, is to uh, um, take away the aura of honor uh, that uh, Baghdadi may have had in certain circles that uh, see killing Americans and uh, other things to be honorable activities uh, uh, because of the of the way he died, uh, although uh, the fact that he committed a suicide uh, in, in some respects uh, would be more encouraging to his followers because it showed that he had control at the end rather than losing total control and just being picked off by American soldiers. So, uh, uh, you know, I think the president was trying to depress uh, the reputation of Baghdadi, but I'm not sure that uh, that his words will accomplish that uh, uh, in the Middle East. Well, the Washington Post got a lot of blowback over the weekend when it ran a headline in the obituary referring to Baghdadi as an austere religious scholar, and they uh, 
the, the, today the headline reads extremist leader, so clearly they, they changed that. Um, why do you think the Post would characterize him as an austere religious scholar? The, uh, that is so far off base when you look the, at the totality of what this man did and, the, you know, the size of his crimes. Uh, uh, yes, he was trained as a religious scholar, but to lead with that description is is just beyond uh, belief to me. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure why they would uh, pick that uh, as, as a even the title of a obituary. It's it's just crazy. Well, ISIS has already tapped a new leader. Uh, his name is Abdullah Kardash. What do we know about him? Well, he, uh, he's believed to be a very close aide to uh, uh, Baghdadi. He formally was trained like Baghdadi was as uh, uh, Islamic specialist. Uh, it, there's very little known about him or what he's likely to do, uh, but uh, hopefully he won't be around too long if they're able to exploit a a lot of the information that they've uncovered in this raid. uh, uh, They've already uh, struck at one of uh, uh, Baghdadi's other raids and killed him, Uh, so we'll see what, what other leads are developed. Well, zooming out a bit, looking at ISIS as a whole, um, what's the direction of ISIS right now? Is it possible that in light of the U.S. withdrawing from Syria that ISIS could make a comeback? Or does it look like uh, this is a decisive blow, ISIS is on the way out? Well, this is a huge blow, but it's not clear that it's uh, totally determinative yet. ISIS made a big uh bloody comeback in Iraq after the U.S. withdrew in 2011 and reached its peak in 2015. Uh, so it's possible that ISIS could make a comeback uh, in Syria, but it's it's not as likely uh, given that uh, even if the U.S. totally pulls out, which it isn't right now, it's still maintaining uh, hundreds of soldiers in eastern uh, Syria, but even if the U.S. did totally pull out, uh, the Syrian regime, uh, Iran, Russia, uh, and Hezbollah all are opposed to ISIS and would resist it from uh, rising to the heights that it had risen to uh, before. But that said, it's important to remember that ISIS has uh, 14 different uh, franchises, uh, and although it's on the uh, defensive and on the verge of defeat in Iraq and Syria, it still is expanding elsewhere uh, in in Asia and Africa, uh, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, uh, Philippines. Uh, so we haven't heard the end of ISIS. All right. Well, Jim Phillips, appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? If you want to understand what's happening at the court, subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court. Closed on Sunday, you my Chick-fil-A, you're my number one with the lemonade. Raise our sons.
faith through temptations. Make sure they're wide away. Follow Jesus. Listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We nobody's slave. All right, that is from the track Closed on Sunday off of Kanye West's new album, Jesus is King, which has been getting all the buzz of uh, the last few days. Uh, Kanye is uh, repping his newfound Christian faith in music, public interviews, Sunday services every week, and a short IMAX film that went along with the release of the album. And uh, actually, a few of us gathered here in the studio right now all went and saw the IMAX film and uh, have been following the phenomenon. So we've got Lauren Evans, one of our producers, Mark Guiney, another one of our producers, Thalia Rampersad, uh, Behind the Glass, uh, recording us, Rachel Del Judas, also still in the studio. Um, Guys, what were your uh, reflections on either the film that we saw or uh, really any of this phenomenon that that we've been kind of watching the last few days? The album is incredible. (laughs) I I love the album. I have to say I was disappointed that Closed on Sunday was not on the IMAX film because there I just it's my favorite song off the album and I love it so much and I Actually think it was. It was it well, was I, in the very was, last scene when he's with his baby. He's like humming it. It was the credits sound uh, actually okay, in the well, movie but for some reason they had the volume down. Okay. okay. But you make I a good point. You make a good bit. point because it I mean a lot of the music in the film was like really different from the album mm-hmm. like you wouldn't necessarily yeah. be able to tie them together it was it was the like the film itself it felt more like a worship service i think which was interesting and like a good experience but i love close on sunday because it's kind of like to me i see it as like a mandate to especially men i i love like this i don't know it's kind of like this leadership position Kanye's taken on talking about raising our sons training them in the faith asking and teaching sons to resist temptation, um, protecting your daughters. I love yeah. the dad and like the leader that he is espousing in he this He literally song. says, stay off my land and yeah. get your hands <laughs> off my family. Which is awesome. <laughs> uh, I love so, that. So, okay, so a little bit of context. Uh, the film is like set in the wilderness out west because Kanye spent a lot of time out in like Wyoming these days. And... It's a big gospel choir that's just gathered there in, like, a uh, kind of a dome-ish. Uh, I guess I don't know what how you would describe. Almost it. like an underground chapel that has yeah. this like big, big circular opening. skylight. You can in see it. the sky from it, from within it. But yeah, a lot of like just choral music, gospel choir stuff. What did y'all think? Well, I think too the choir is a big attribution to him coming to know Christ. And I found a quote that he had said in one of his interviews saying, by having the luxury of having an amazing choir around me every Sunday, I come to know the truth and joy of Jesus Christ. This album has been made to be an expression of the gospel and to share the gospel and the truth of what Jesus has done to me. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out. So I think that's pretty powerful alone. And then to see that he uses the choir and just the the formation of the building itself in a circular formation and how they have this whole cutout in the top, just really pointing everyone who's watching it as well as the choir singing to the heavens and, and putting the focus on that, I think was really interesting and, and definitely a prominent theme throughout the film itself. So there was no way you could go and see that film and not have like a, a deeper conversation afterwards mm. in regards to the content and, and what Kanye is doing now. 
I thought his being out in the wilderness there was interesting. It kind of reminded me of John the Baptist going out into the wilderness before oh, Jesus point. is coming, you know, yeah. and it, and sure. and kind of the inauguration of something big. Like you get the sense that he's he's the lone voice crying out in the wilderness and he's declaring something like he's declaring another person, not himself. And you just get the sense of anticipation, like something yeah. could be big, like culturally, spiritually. Um, he's such an influential figure. And uh, yeah, and, and he his, he says his favorite verse is like uh, actually from John. Uh, no, it's not John the Baptist. It's Jesus when he says, repent and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. Here's what I thought was amazing, yes, though, about all this is when like because I'll, I'll confess that when Kanye started this whole journey, my kind of thought was like, oh, gosh. You had doubts? <laughs> Here we go. Well, of course. I mean, Kanye is super talented, hugely egotistical, yes. though. I mean, very talented man. Like, he's he's like entitled mm-hmm. to this be This is proud the man who said, I am a god. Yes. He, he calls himself I Jesus. I am god. He said, we, I am god. <laughs> we think back to the he infamous had a song called I am Taylor god. Swift incident, right? All these sorts of things. And we think, oh, my gosh, there are so many celebrities I would put on the list right. uh, for impacting the culture uh, and, 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 and going through this. Not that you don't want everyone to to uh, come to Christ eventually, but um, but when I when I listen to it, uh, it definitely I had that same sense of like he is not directing the attention toward himself. This feels very yeah. sincere, mm-hmm. and this feels like it's right. directed towards something like else. Like in the film, you couldn't really find exactly. him. Like yeah. I was just, he was kind of there that, yeah. in the middle of a bunch of other gospel choir people, and, and they're a, all wearing the same like outfit. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I find it's a good reminder because so often, like you can look back in the scripture, you look everywhere that, you know, it seems to be that people like God doesn't, uh, there's this, this saying like God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so all of these people throughout history have been these very unlikely people who suddenly we find in these, in these kind of uh, situations. So it's really cool. It's cool to see, see it working in Kanye. It's, it's interesting you say that because one of his songs is called Hands On, and he kind of responds to the criticism he's gotten from other Christians, kind of like, you know, you were saying, kind of wondering if he's legit. And then he admits, like, yeah, I understand your hesitancy. You know, he's got a past for sure, very public past. Um, but then his response is not for people to get over it and accept him. His response is just, he says, like, pray for me. That's his response, like, lay your yeah. hands on me, pray for me. I thought it was like a really humble uh, thing to say. And and the kind of the kind of thing you would you would hope to see. Yeah. So while we had a great time going to see the movie, I don't know if I would recommend others to see it. We walked in at six p.m. and we were walking out at six thirty. Mm-hmm. I checked my it's watch. Only Thirty-six exactly. minutes, right? Yeah. What? Not even. It was twenty-eight minutes. Okay. Because there was a minute trailer, uh, and yeah. it just kind and of. And it was fifteen dollars. It was fifteen dollars, and it felt unfinished. I think it was really. There were really powerful moments in it, um, and they spent a lot of time really reflecting on the choir's faces. But walking out, I was like, uh, I don't think that was worth $15. And then yesterday, I watched the free live stream of his Sunday service, and that was two hours, and that was incredible. And I don't know why he just didn't record that and make that the IMAX movie. One other point that I loved, and I I love kids, and I love the pro-life movement, so maybe this is me just wanting to... You see the beauty of that he had in bringing his son, but one of the last songs, um, he had Psalm uh, in his arms and he was singing to him. You couldn't really see, you could just see part of his chest. He's holding the baby. And the song he was singing was Use This Gospel. And he's telling his son basically, like, this is the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Like, use this gospel as you grow, as you mature. And that was, I think, the second last or the last song. It was very close to the end. And I love that picture of kind of looking forward, training up a new generation 
Kanye using his role as a father and having his son there and telling him, I obviously he's very little now. He's not you know, going to understand all the words that are being told to him as a baby. But just that image of him being a father and training him up in the ways of Christ as a father should do uh, was really special and beautiful. So this album has been uh, well received by a lot of people, including us. I will note that all of us here uh, uh, profess the Christian faith. A lot of other people are not so happy about this album. They think it's like boring or they think it's uh, you know, they, they they miss the old Kanye. Like on Twitter, you hear people saying, I miss the old Kanye. What is this with the new Kanye? Which I thought is interesting because that's kind of fitting given like the Bibles talk about the old man and the new man. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a new Kanye. So that's that's just what it is. Um, but, you know, do you, do you think that his celebrity will uh, sustain itself? Do you think that this, you know, evangelistic turn that he's taken is going to, um, I mean, it might it might succeed, it might convert people, but do you think he will stay the kind of king of pop culture that he's been for like the last decade? I think time will tell, and I think it will be interesting to see. Obviously, this is, I mean, he's even himself saying, "Pray for me." This is a new walk of you know in my faith life. But I think that you know, if for some reason he he doesn't stay at the top of the list when it you know comes to pop music, I think that in a way is a test of like, where are you at in this? Like, is this truly a conversion or is this something that you were doing just to pull in a segment of the market, so to speak, that you haven't reached before? And I think if, if maybe it doesn't succeed and he still remains faithful, you know, who knows, maybe he'll end up being a worship pastor somewhere. Maybe he'll end up leaving the music. I mean, we don't know what will happen, but I think it'll be interesting to see whether it's successful or not. Like if his faith um, stays a paramount focus or if it's just kind of, something that sort of falls by the wayside as time goes on. I think time will tell. Well, he seems he seems to not really care what people think. And I guess that's kind of a mark, refreshing. Of, a mark of him. Like he's he's kind of been like that like for a long time. Like when he went out a lot for Trump last year, he was getting all kinds of flack and he didn't care what people thought. And now he seems to be applying, <laughs> just applying that now with Christianity. The fact that the five of us are gathered here talking about this, I think is just a testament to one, how radical the change is and how radically different what we're seeing now in Kanye is. And I think, two, a result of his conversion will be that there are going to be people that are that are falling off. There are going to be fans that fall off and maybe some of mm. his celebrity status will drop. But again, to your point, Daniel, his past has been very public, but now hearing what he's professing and what he's proclaiming will only open up new doors and, and new opportunities, which will be very interesting to see where that, where that takes. Yeah. And I'm super excited. Keeping up with the Kardashians is about six months behind where they are in real life. Yeah. So I they can't... just caught up to his conversion. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I can't wait to see when these episodes come out around the album. Cause remember it was Kim who wrote down the tracks on the uh, hotel notepad and tweeted it out. So he's married to Kim Kardashian. I can't see him going away in pop culture right. for a long time. I'm also a little bit fascinated by the, he he seems to have had kind of this, unless I'm understanding my Kanye timeline, which I'm very well maybe off the Kanye timeline, but my understanding is that he had kind of a political sort of reawakening. Mm-hmm. And then we learn more about this, like, like religious theological kind of reawakening. And I wonder about the relationship between those two, he seems to have become politically outspoken and then religiously outspoken. And I wonder, you know, maybe the fact 
like what impact that has on people. Like, are they more receptive to his, to his message or less uh, coming in with like having received his political background first? Mm. Like, I just, uh, I'm just really intrigued by the way that plays. I don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah, I don't know which one came first. I mean, he was going Trump before his conversion. Yeah, but, I feel like he was. But, you know, he was also starting the Sunday services before he actually officially said that he uh, converted. So, Well, remember, his first big song was Jesus Walks. Yeah. And he talks a lot about his, the influence that his, his late mother had on his life. So there's definitely a foundation. I think this is just the time that he actually fully came to Christ. One other question I wanted to ask you guys is— um, do you think he'll get involved in like the pro-life movement? Um, there was a, a video circulating on the internet recently that he was critical of like the Democratic Party for a whole host of things, and he said that you know they were you know he didn't like the fact that he as a black person was expected to vote for Democrats, and then he made a comment about how Democrats were um, uh, like forcing us to abort our children, or that was the that was the language he used, and then he said, yeah, now they're dead. Uh, it, do you guys think he? I mean, some some people are. I saw a uh, like live action on Twitter, or maybe it was another pro life group was saying, "Is he going to be at the march for life in January? Is he going to like start this activism?" <laughs> I mean, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, if there's one thing we know, Kanye hates it's confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. So no, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he stepped into that debate. And I think it's interesting too. Um, well, I mean, I think. After the album came out, there was an article that um, had quoted him in an interview. I forget who the interview was with, but he had mentioned that he was asking people who were on the set of Jesus is King on his short film to abstain from premarital sex. Yes, so he is speaking fast. out. Yeah, which I also love. Um, so if, I mean, if what he's said um, in interviews shortly after this movie is any indication I mean, I have a feeling it's possible he could get involved in the pro-life movement because he's already speaking out on really um, important societal issues that are in the conversation right now. So, Okay, so if you didn't get enough Kanye talk on today's episode of Daily Signal, I want to give a quick plug for my podcast, Problematic Women. It comes out Thursday morning, and we're going to dive into this even deeper. Spoiler alert, they would not let me make Kanye West, Problematic Woman of the Week. But we, <laughs> but we will definitely really talk about all of this and get into even more detail. Thanks, Lauren. And thank you, Mark and Thalia. Of course. We're going to wrap it up there for the day. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes to give us any feedback. We'll see you again tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Lauren Evans and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.